Yeah. What is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Shit Podcast. Uh, today, I am more than excited uh, to share the story of my client, Katie Fairland, um, who's going to join us today. We started when she was heavy keto. Um, we've been through the reverse, the diet, the reverse, the diet. We've improved metabolic markers, quality of life, confidence. Um, and if you follow her on Instagram or you've seen any of her content, you know that she just radiates with positive light. So, um, Katie, welcome to the show. Um, I'm excited to have you and go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, uh, thank you so much, Kate, for having me on. I'm super excited. Um, I um, have worked with Kate for just over three years. Um, my name is Katie, and I came to her kind of, you know, from a background of, you know, dieting and then um, losing my progress and um, poor relationship of, with food, just just kind of looking to, I look to Kate to, to guide me. And three years later, it's amazing to be able to share my story today. So, um, I think, I know we're going to get into it as we go, but I'm just excited to be here and hoping that whatever I share today may resonate with other people out there as well. Yeah. So I want to go ahead and go back to the very beginning, right? Why you reached out to me in the first place and kind of where you were at at that point. Absolutely. So I had done um, a lifestyle program through my doctor's office and kind of, you know, that focus was really around just, you know, getting healthy, um, building a good lifestyle, but it was very um, keto focused, as you'd mentioned. Um, and I, you know, was able to make some progress, but then I reached a point where I just felt stuck. I felt like I had potential to go further and to do more, but the program, I kind of you know, aged out of it, so to speak, and, and accomplished what we were there to accomplish. And I found that I was still not happy with my body, just wasn't happy with where I was at. And I also hadn't really resolved a lot of maybe good, bad food issues that I had. So that was, you know, a huge piece. Um, I saw you working out at the gym and training people at the gym. So I was lucky enough for folks listening that, you know, Kate grew up in the area where I grew up. Um, so when she's been home visiting family, she, and at that time was living with family. So she was working out at my gym. Um, and I just really admired her. I was like, man, she's a badass, and I don't know her at all, but, um, then I, uh, Instagram kind of, uh, as they do kind of highlights who's local in your community. And I saw your page and just started following you. And then one day just was sitting at home and I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to send an email. Uh, and that's exactly what I did. I, I shot the email off and then pretty quickly you responded and I'm like, Oh, we're really doing this thing. Um, and I was able to meet Kate in this realm, you know, in the gym, kind of, you were able to review, you know, what my abilities were at the time, which are way different than where I'm at right now, which is kind of funny to think back on. Um, and just then we kicked off the coaching process. You scooted off to Florida to go to school and then everything's been, you know, that typical coach client online process ever since. So it, I was very, I was a fortunate one that got to meet you uh, in person and, and uh, dive right in from there. So I still yeah. look back and think, Ooh, that was like one of the best decisions I ever made is like the most important email I've ever sent. Oh, damn. That hits home a lot. Um, so I remember the, one of the first conversations we had when I started screening you for tracking and, and getting your background is we were pretty heavy and fat, very afraid of carbohydrate. Right. And you came from a, a background and I, I remember having to call you out a few times about how you're talking about certain foods. Um, and I think that this is one big thing, especially um, with people trying to lose weight relative to medical advice is they tell people to stay away from carbohydrates, right? You want to limit your carb intake. And I saw this when I was uh, shadowing at Mount Spending Hospital and DHMC is when I worked with uh, their primary cares that they would tell clients that were pre-diabetic or diabetic at the time. Um, that they wanted to watch their carbohydrate intake. And of course they, it was awesome when I got to work with them because obviously they stayed in their lane. Um, and I absolutely stayed in mine, but they would ask me questions because, you know, relative to them, I have a lot more information as far as dietary intake to improve body composition, um, metabolic markers, which, you know, I'll talk about at another time. But, um, you know, the biggest thing that I saw was that they didn't have any concrete 
here's what you want to actually avoid. And most of that is processed sugar. And so when people are just told generically, you want to watch your carb intake. They stop eating things like fruits and vegetables, right? Things that are carbs, yes, but they're good carbs. They're healthy carbs, right? And then they start kind of throwing fat on there. So then they're eating a lot of processed things still like bacon or oils or, you know, cooking everything in grease because it's high in fat and that's delicious, right? Um, But unfortunately, that can also cause um, increases in body fat, right? So understanding the difference between we want to eliminate processed items uh, versus don't eat carbs, And you were definitely, you had taken it as, and rightly so, because of how they phrase it, um, do not eat carbohydrates. So talk a little about your experience. I remember you were very (laughs) abrasive um, to me kind of switching macros around, but I also made a very large emphasis to meet you where you were at, right? Slowly kind of adjusting things. So talk to people who have that fear of of increasing carbs and like, oh my God, go, go for it. Yeah. And I, I have to laugh just because I looked back at like the email I sent you and then just some of the information that I had shared with you. And I was like, oh my gosh, like who was that girl? Um, but I, I definitely, um, you know, I, when I jump into something, like I want to learn and absorb it all. So coming to like my doctor's office in terms of that lifestyle program, I have, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome or so, so we believe, you know, it's always a tricky one to truly know if it's been diagnosed correctly. Um, I had kind of pre-diabetes, I was on, you know, pharma medication for those things. So when I was working with that program, I was able to you know, get off of some of the medication I was on and, and resolve the pre-diabetes. So I was really like fixated and focused on the fact that carbs were a huge piece of how I did that. And, you know, in, as, as you kind of talk about in a lot of your platforms, you know, you have a, that calorie deficit. So I was creating that, even though I was extremely high fat, you know, low carb, and then like, not even really moderate protein. I could have been eating a lot more protein. So, um, I was really afraid, like, and I think a lot of people talk about being just scared of carbs. I really did see them as the devil. Um, but I also was still stuck in that mind frame. And I can be honest about this, you know, now that I'm, I've gone through it, but, you know, I also was that person that would demonize everything. But then the minute I touched carbs, I didn't trust myself. And, part of having you as a coach and kind of that process was you kind of knew where I was at, even though I didn't realize I was being so transparent. Um, and you, you took time before we flipped the switch to switch things up and you, you let me kind of hold the reins while still slowly shifting me and like leading me to, you know, to understanding that they weren't, I wasn't going to just go off the deep end by adding and incorporating carbs. And I remember just being amazed that I didn't, blow up and just, you know, those words you use that are so negative, you know, but it was really powerful to, when we did start to incorporate it, but you really, you, you gave me the tools, but you let me be in control of that choice, which I really needed, especially being totally afraid of them. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes our relationship so great is I, I always aim to meet a client where they're at. And I think when you aggressively flip a switch, like if I were to just pull fats and bump carbs, even though calories would be equated, um, you know, if something negative were to happen, like, you know, increased carbohydrate, increased muscle glycogen and water, right? So scale might fluctuate or go up. Your body composition would probably look better. Um, but if I were to do that, you'd be so uncomfortable. And knowing that, you know, carbs are something that you feel a trigger around, doing that could set you up for failure. So I had to, consider all of those different variables and have that conversation with you is, okay, we're going to gradually do this and just try it. If you fail horribly, we'll pull it back. I'll switch it. And I remember telling you that if it doesn't work, we'll go back. Right. But you've done everything this way. So I need you to try this. And when we started seeing more progress, that's when you started getting a lot more buy-in. Absolutely. And I think for myself, one of the things that with keto that I just absolutely couldn't change is my, my physique. Granted, I didn't have a, um, I didn't have a good routine in the gym. You know, I didn't have anything like that until I started working with you, but even any effort I had ever made, I just, I truly was one of those people that had that mindset that like my body's not capable of making those changes. Like I'm a genetic, you know, I'm just genetically broken. Like I had all those thoughts and it's hard to even say them now because I just want to like, like it's almost humorous because I, I now have proven all of those like false beliefs wrong, but with, again, with those higher fat, like 
I just, I never would have been able to make the gains that the carb switch was able to make. And I remember like being blown away that like the scale would still go down, you know, when we were in a fat loss phase, like all of those things were just like magical to me. Um, and now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just wish I knew this sooner. Um, cause again, I, I've just, my whole life, it's just been that yo-yo, like nonstop yo-yo dieting and, you know, everything has to be restrictive and then, you know, all or nothing kind of mentality. So yeah, carbs were a game changer and not being afraid of them and eating fruit, you know, and not having like this tiny little food list that I, that I stay within and then, you know, go eat one food and then can't stop myself because I have been avoiding all the bad foods, you know, it's yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah. Categorizing food is something that I see is very, very common. And again, this is mainstream uh, media demonizing something, right? At one point it was low fat, high carb, right? We remember this in like the nineties. Now it's keto or high fat is better for everything. And it's always going to be context dependent, right? Some people for health reasons need to do that, especially if you have a neurological issue or epilepsy, they definitely encourage a ketogenic diet. And there is research that supports that. But as far as fat loss and body composition, as long as calories are equated and protein is equated, especially, um, you know, you, you see no differences in fat loss. And I think that's really important for people to understand is, especially if you're someone who, doesn't have control over a food group, incorporating that food group is going to give you that balance that you need because it's not going anywhere and food is not inherently good or bad. And I think that that's something that, um, unfortunately, again, like in the media and to get the hype and the attention that people want, um, they'll demonize something, they'll blame something. Um, when a lot of it is habit over time and bad habit, then recognizing bad habit and habit reformation along with the psychological aspects that come from diet culture and the things that we consume as far as, okay, this is what I need to do. And of course the instant gratification and being in a rush for the result, um, because if the methods are unsustainable, then the results will be as well. So um, I want you to talk a little bit about how you've incorporated those things. And one of the biggest things and I remember this huge win is when you went back to get your checkup and your doctor had noticed. Um, so I want you to kind of talk about that aspect of the journey. Cause I'll never forget it. Yeah. I think, you know, just speaking to that, when I had lab work done and again, at that point we'd flip the switch, we were, you know, we were eating carbs, we were training hard, like all those different things. And my lab work was better you know, than when I was doing the lifestyle program, you know, my, my glucose and my A1C and all of those things were down compared to keto. And I remember just being mind boggled and she was practically in tears, like gave me a huge hug, you know, because she was just amazed. And, you know, I, it's a huge moment when you see those things and you can prove to yourself mentally, like I can live this balanced life. I can eat real food, you know, and, and have that success. So, um, you know, that's kind of whole process and being able now to see time and time again, when I go to the doctor, like, you know, we're, we're not on medications to treat things. Like I'm doing that through supplements, you know, but mostly through food and training and lifting heavy and, you know, recovering hard. And like, those are the wins that are just, you know, you can't, nothing compares to that. Uh, I remember when you told me you were coming off the medication, you didn't need it anymore because all those markers had improved. Like that is phenomenal, like on so many levels, phenomenal. So I just will never forget that email. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the moments that just, you know, again, it's powerful and just makes you feel good. And it makes you want that like next goal because it's like, okay, we're here, we're healthy, but then I want, you want that next level, you know, it's that level up of like, okay, I I know these things about my health and I want to be in the driver's seat. So, you know, looking at all of those different things and, and having, you know, you and, and a doctor and, you know, people that are on board to, to understand like my mission to never go back to that place, you know? And I think for me, coaching has been that biggest part as well is just, there's so many times that I've made progress, but then not having that support. And for me, that's been a huge piece, you know, on top of just, um, you know, all of the tools that you give me, be it the community that you've developed or, you know, having your support going I've always kind of fallen back into old habits because I didn't have that accountability in a way that I had someone that helped me believe in me, I guess, you know, I, I say this to you probably too often, but it's like, there was. Wait, you're muted. Did I, 
You're yeah. Now you're on. Now you're on. I wonder why it cut out. Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, you said you say this to me all the time. Um, and then it cut out. Okay. I'll pick up from there. Um, but you, you say, uh, I say to you all the time, you know, um, that you've always held that space for me. You believed in me when I truly didn't believe in myself. And then it's like, okay, now, now I know that I can do these things. And it just, that momentum just has built, um, but also having the community, you know, that you've developed and just people to lean on. Um, one of the things that was hardest, even when I did the lifestyle program is you don't have that support system wrapped around you and people that understand or get excited about the things you get excited about, you know, people don't want to talk about nutrition and, um, lifting in the gym or your training plan and, uh, to find a community that kind of gets that, uh, cause it can be really isolating and lonely. And mm-hmm. I think when I first started working with you, that was one of my biggest pieces was navigating and probably for most people, but navigating family and navigating friends and things that you would normally do that now you, you know, that doesn't make you feel good. So you want to, you know, you'd rather be in the gym or you'd rather bring your food to an event so that, you know, just things that I had to travel and, and navigate, um, And it just got easier, I guess, as the community wrapped around you that you've built, you know, was, was accessible to me as well to, to have those people supporting me. Uh, That's been huge. So one of the biggest things that I want you to talk about is the fact that it didn't just end and it wasn't just a cut and it wasn't just, okay, this is what I wanted. Like you've genuinely changed your life, um, for the better. And, and I, I, I can't speak for you, but you've incorporated a lot of things where you live your life differently than you used to. Um, and you operate differently and you probably socialize differently and your, you know, your ideas of having a good time are different. Um, and so I want to go back to, you know, when we first started changing things up and you were more consistent and we started performing, you know, there's initially this feeling of, you don't realize how crappy your body feels until you start feeding it the right way and it starts to respond. And then you're like, holy crap, I can't remember. I can't believe I lived like that for such a long time. Um, And so I want you to kind of share not only the transformative process that you had physically and not only the the physiological changes, but psychological changes as well. And the actions Mm -hmm. and the habits that you used to have um, relative to the ones that you've developed through coaching. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that's the part that you can't always like explain to people or they don't see it. You know, I I think for myself, we've traveled now, you know, fat loss phase, reverse fat loss phase, reverse maintenance, you know, all sorts of different seasons. I, and I always kind of, at this point, use the word season because you're ebbing and flowing depending on what, you know, what goals I have at that time. Um, but when we first started, I mean, it really, my focus was losing weight and that was my goal. I, I didn't at that point have a bigger idea of what this would all mean. It was just chasing that, that thought of being smaller is better. That will make me feel good about myself or I'll be worthy of something. And now to even have those words come out of my mouth, like kind of make me nauseous because that's not even close to where I'm at today. Um, one of the things like when I first, you know, started again, my focus was, was not necessarily on getting strong or, you know, um, it was, yes, I started to feel good as we made the changes, but then it's, there's a huge like mental piece that, um, I think is the part that allows you to keep doing this as a lifestyle and a lifelong process. And I have to say for myself, like there's been different things that I've needed during different parts of my experience or different parts of my journey, so to speak. Um, you know, when I first started out, like I had mentioned, you needed the connections and the community and kind of really leaned on other people outside of yourself. Like it felt like I needed people to understand or to be connected to me. And then you start to turn, I guess I started to turn more internal. Um, and it became around trying to understand the mindset of just, you know, being mentally stronger and, um, you know, just uh, having more um, drive. And I don't even like the word motivation because we're not always motivated, but I guess taking more accountability um, for my own responsibility to continue this lifestyle. Um, 
I certainly, in terms of habits, I mean, we started out with a training plan where I think I did like three days a week of lifting. And then every time we've, you know, transitioned to a new training plan, that intensity and frequency has, has increased. Um, but we've also scaled back at times when I needed to show up for other parts of my life, but it wasn't scaling back to take away from my progress in terms of my, my physique goals and my health goals. I was still able to realize like recent in the last year, we, we did, um, a change to my training. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm, I'm not tough. I'm not tough enough to be able to do this. Cause I wanted to be able to finish my workouts within a certain amount of time. And then once I did those lifts, I realized I'm not slacking. I'm not cheating. You, there's so many negative thoughts that we have sometimes as people, or at least for myself, where I've had to train my brain, not to, not to immediately think of the negative. I'm very good at being optimistic for everybody else. That's something that to my own, I don't know, it's just internal and I, I feel it and it's like who I am, but I, I've never afforded myself that same um, Great. kindness. Great. Yeah. And you always tell me that, which is why I can like say your words out loud. Um, but I, I now am more conscious of trying to, you know, give myself grace and just, um, you know, look at my journey as I would someone else's, um, because we're, we're our own biggest critic. So I think, you know, the, the tools I've needed during certain phases of this process have evolved and changed. You know, there's been months where like cardio is literally just motivational videos, which probably would drive pe some people insane, but it's like, I have certain motivational videos that just like, just get me in the zone and kind of remind me of who I am. And like, just are really grounding. Um, I mean, lots of different, I mean, self-care is that like cliche word that everyone uses, but like finding things that help help me bring me down, help balance, you know, balance help me ground you, help yeah. you ground yourself and remember yeah. who you are. And, um, one of the biggest things with you, and I, I think this is important, um, is I always say that you can never fail if you refuse to quit. And there are a lot of people that will start something and give up because their life is not perfect. Um, or it's not the right time they'll say, or, you know, there's things like that. I hear from people all the time. Well, I tried this, but then life got crazy and it just wasn't the right time. And what I encourage listeners to do with this is, is there's never going to be a perfect time. Life is going to throw you lemons. And when it rains, it, it pours. I mean, that is how it happens. But um, as a coach, and you can speak on this as a client, you go through those seasons together because if you're really interested in making this a long-term success, you have to be, have the tools and learn the tools that you can incorporate that are going to continue to align you with who it is you want to become because the transformation is never over, right? There's transform transformative periods and before and afters during those periods. But the real glow up is making it a part of your life for the long term and having all of the tools and the education and the habits on a fundamental and foundational level uh, to continue to build upon. Hmm. And that's something that I want you to talk about because you went through a lot. You've continued to go through things just as all people do, but you never quit. Yeah, and I think, you know, it I I've had, and I, everybody's, you know, past is, is different and everyone goes through different things. And I think for me, you know, you, you helped me understand like what, what it means to have your why and kind of what your focus is and what guides you and what, what's that thing that's going to continue to push you to, to keep going. And, you know, I, I've had periods in my life where it was just, it was such a dark place that it was like, I don't ever want to go back there and just focusing on, again, the, the progress that I did see, you know, I, t I took ownership, I guess, over, over being the victim or feeling like I didn't have control over anything. Um, and I just really put that mental work in because for so long, I would always be that person that would make excuses. Um, or if I fell back, I would just assume that, you know, um, that I was broken, that I just wasn't capable. So that focus for me was just kind of keeping my why. Um, and also just, I've, I've always had a fear and I still have it. I'm working through it. Um, but a fear of going back, um, and that dry, that fear. And I think fears in general, probably sometimes are super motivating because if there are things we, we don't ever want to visit again, we're going to work really hard to never find ourselves in that place. Um, so that's kind of a twist.
but I, I also think um, just with the weight loss piece, shifting from that focus, when you, when I reached a certain number, I had to, I had to put in the work mentally to figure out how I was still going to stay, stay motivated and eager to keep going. Um, When you reach that point where you're like, okay, I lost the weight. Sometimes then you just feel defeated and you get there and you're like, well, I'm, I don't feel like I'm done. I don't feel like I've a comp, you know, I don't feel like who I'm supposed to be yet. And that was a big shift as well. Adjusting to my body changing. Um, you know, I'm still working on that just because it's hard to see yourself the way, you know, after you've made progress and your brain still wants to see you how you were four years ago. Um, and that's been a huge piece too. Yeah. So there's a little bit that I want to go back on. Um, number one, and the one thing I always say to people, um, because it's very easy to get into victim mentality. I'm not, I can't do this. I it's because of this. I just genetically can't do this or it's my hormones or it's, it's something else. It's always easy. And there's always going to be someone that's going to tell you, yes, woe is you. It's okay. I will support you and help you through this. And one of the biggest things that I encourage my clients to understand Um, and I get this from my mom because she always said it to me when I was a kid is you will always be the product of your choices. And there are consequences to every choice that we make good or bad choices, right? There is a consequence that comes with that. So I think it's incredibly important for people to acknowledge you may not be able to change the circumstance that you are in right now, right? But that didn't come because it just fell out of the sky for you, right? That is the consequence of previous habits, previous choices, previous lifestyle things. Um, you know, some of it is genetic for, on a level for sure for all of us, um, but we all have genetic things that we are going to kind of have to battle against. And it's not fair to say one is better or worse than the other. And that's not what I'm communicating. But um, if you can find your power in the actions that you take and your perspective and focus on, okay, I can't control all this bullshit but I can do this and I can remove this poor habit and align it with the person that I want to become by starting small and slow and steady, making small changes. See how much activity you get in a day. Take more steps, right? See how much water you're consuming. Increase your water intake. If you're eating out every night of the week, pull it back to five days a week, then pull it back to three, start cooking at home. Um, There are simple things that you can change in your lifestyle and those habits. Uh, They're going to start leading you in the right direction. Um, And then when you get to a goal, and I think this is really important for even lifestyle people to hear because you hear about it all the time in competitors, right? Post-show blues, right? And at the end of the day, it's because you had your, in principle, because this happened to me in basketball after every season too, you have your focus on this task, whether it's playing a sport or achieving a goal. And then that goal is hit and you get that high of like, I did this. And then you have a massive crash and you're like, it's over. Like, now what do I do? I've achieved this. Like, what is the next step? What does it look like? And I think the one thing I love about health and fitness is it's never going to just end. Not if you make it a lifestyle, if you make it about a weight goal, then yeah, it's going to end and you'll probably rebound very poorly. But if you look at, okay, I've gotten to this point. It's almost exciting to be like, where can I go next? Cause I never thought I'd get here. And then it's like, you have all these goals and ambitions and then laying out the timeline of how to do that, but also keep you healthy because you can't diet forever. Um, but you can improve, but you can change, but you can evolve still, um, in different contexts for different goals. And those again, will always change. Um, when I met you, you had no desire to compete. You didn't care about it at all. Now you've bought your first pair of posing heels, like, you know, but that's a three-year process. And I think people forget that there is a time where even I, like I was never interested in competing. It's something that I grew into and lifestyle. People think they can never get there because they just look at someone on stage and they're like, well, I can't do that. Well, every competitor started off as just somebody that was into fitness, um, you know, and, and just learning the tools and making sure again, that you have those fundamental foundational habits mm-hmm. that are going to propel you to be successful in that endeavor. And the other thing that you talked about, which I think is just very important. And a lot of us start there, um, is you see your body and you find yourself worth your self worth in your weight or your body composition, or do you, I fit the mold of what's attract, what is on the, the cover of the magazine. And I don't look like her. So I'm not worthy of this. I can't do that. And then you start to engage in these self-sabotaging behaviors because you don't believe you're worthy of someone else's love or someone else's attention or being liked or respected or appreciated or valued or whatever it might be. 
because you don't fit some aesthetic mold. And I think one thing that we've had to talk about multiple times is Katie, you've made a fuck ton of progress, but please believe the person that you are is it's your mind and it's your heart. And it's, it's the genuine energy that you have, um, that lights other people up. It has nothing to do with your physique, right? Yes. We want you to have a healthy lifestyle and long-term sustainability, um, and be able to grow and have a very high quality of life throughout the, the rest of your life. But you as a person are not what you look like. Um, and I think that that's a really important message for people to understand is the people that love you, they don't care what you weighed this morning. They don't care what you weighed last week, right? They love you because you are you and they are going to support you becoming a better person by becoming a healthier person. Um, whether that's weight loss or some people need to gain weight, you know, everything is going to be context dependent, but you being able to show up as your best self and learn and grow and evolve and change for the better um, is going to propel you forward to building new relationships and building new life endeavors and opportunities and interacting with new people that are going to make you feel better and more aligned with the person that you're going to continue to evolve into. So um, thank you for making those points. I think that that's very, very important. Yeah. And I, I agree with just what you said. I mean, I think some of the things like residual effects is kind of what I always think of them as, is every, every arena of my life, like has changed and it's hard to put into words just because I believe in myself differently in, in work, in, you didn't believe in yourself at all. all. This girl, let me tell you, she is a savage. She's a warrior. She's capable of so many fucking things, but it's amazing to me as a coach. Like I see somebody's potential and I'm like, I want them to see it. I will. I want to bang your head off a wall. Like open your eyes. Like, do you see how amazing you are? Do you see it yet? And it's one of those things where, and now I'm going to go off, but Katie is like, she has so much potential as a person, as a human being and her work obligation. She's got promotions. She handles a lot of, of different things, but she shows up to all those elements. And the one thing that she always underestimates is her own power. And it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. And sometimes it's like, you'll see it in a check and I'll get the feedback and I'm like, this is it. She's starting to see it. And then life gives you a lemon. And she's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I, but I'm going to keep doing it. Like that is the one thing about Katie is even when she has those moments of like, I don't know if I can do this. She's developed this. And I, I hope it's from my, my own personality and attitude is like, I don't know if I can do it, but I'm damn sure going to try. Right. And you never quit and you never give up. You never make excuses. You acknowledge every hiccup and bump in the road. And you're like, I did this and I didn't like it and I'm going to learn from it. And this is what I'm doing to cope with this. And this is who the next step that I need to take for my mental. And this is all of those wonderful and very empowering steps that people are afraid to take because it's scary. It is so scary to step outside of that little box of your comfort zone that you live in. But once you do, you continue to grow and evolve and develop and you're becoming your best self. And I even know just from where we're at right now, we have not even touched like the outside boundary of your own potential. So I'm sorry, but when I get passionate about something, I tend to go off and I just had to throw that in there because I know <laughs> self-efficacy is something that you have struggled with time and time again, but you see it in everybody else and you don't see it in you. Not all the way, you've improved significantly, but there's always that, I don't know if I can do that, but I'm damn sure gonna try. And that is the most important part. <laughs> You don't quit. And I love that about you. Gets me excited. You know, it's, it, and that's the thing is I am excited for the future. And I think that's, that's something that I'm really hugely grateful for. And, you know, grateful to you because I, I look at the future differently. I, I look at, you know, just the ne- next year, three years from now. And I think, oh gosh, like what's that next goal going to be? And what am I going to do next? And I never, I never looked at life like that. Like, ever, you know, I, I kind of lived and did what I had to do and stayed in my box. And now I just, I want to push the limits. I want to get through the comfort zone. And when you get a taste of that energy of just like seeing things as, you know, infinite possibilities, it's, it's pretty exciting. Like it makes you want to wake up in the morning and, you know, before coming to work with you, you know, there were a lot of days that it was like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to go through the motions. I, you know, I would spend days not doing much of anything, or I would only focus on work. I would check the work box, do give everything I had there and then not really live life outside of that. And, and now it's, it's so different. You know, I, I want to bring my A game to work, but I'm not leaving my life 
in the dust outside of that. You know, I, I want more and uh, it just gets me hyped up to, to think about it. I think that's phenomenal. And I think this is something that even I've had to learn throughout my own journey is when you do a lot and you, you spread yourself thin to try to show up for other people, it's because you're finding value in yourself based on how they treat you for whatever you're offering them, right? Life is in relationships about a lot of what you give and take, right? So if people can get a lot from you, you find value in, in how they're treating you because you're giving, giving, giving to them. But when you find that validation in yourself and you start focusing on your own personal goals and your self goals and your own growth goals, right? That validation comes from inside. And at the end, then you start going, oh, I don't give a fuck what they think. I don't care what they think, right? Because at the end of the day, I love how I live my life. I love what I'm doing. I'm excited for what I'm going to be able to do. I can't wait to find out. And it's, it's a totally different perspective on your life your value and what you're capable of achieving. And I just see so many people that never get to get there because they don't invest in themselves, right? They don't show up for those things and challenge those ideas or challenge their own potential because they're afraid of looking stupid, sounding stupid, making a mistake, people judging them. Um, or honestly, a lot of people have trouble setting boundaries and saying no. Um, mm -hmm. And when you start to be like, I need to do this for me, I need my me time. I need, you know, my me elements. I need to do my me actions. Um, it only allows you to show up to those elements that you do for other people a lot better. Yeah. Well, when you first start making changes too, it's the world around you is kind of overwhelmed by them and, and everybody comes at it from their own perspective and how they see how you should eat or how you shouldn't eat or what's healthy in terms of working out. And, you know, I, I feel really grounded in kind of knowing knowing what I do, you know, and, and the training and the nutrition and things that I follow, I know that they help me be my best self, but for the first, you know, whole year, there's such like an insecurity around just navigating, like you said, those boundaries with people, um, not letting people put their energy onto you, like not taking that on, you know, the first few meals you show up with your meal prep bag and you're like rocking it with all your macros tracked and you're feeling good. And then somebody's like, you know, just totally picking at you about why, why are you doing this? That's not healthy. You're being, you know, you're being too restrictive. You're no fun. Like the first few times that that happens, it, you know, you don't know how to handle it. Like, and I'm someone who's quiet. I wasn't much fun to be picked on as a kid because I didn't react. And that was kind of how I handled it. Um, or I would try to educate a little bit, but sometimes it's not worth the energy because someone else just can't receive that. And you just have to do you, but it takes a long time. And then there's just this day that ha that kind of comes about and you're like, Oh, I feel okay with this. I'm not worried about what they're thinking of. And, and people still make comments, but it's a lot less because they're used to me engaging in these habits that make me feel good. And they see me feeling good, but it took a long, long time, you know, for people to get on board or to at least not see it as weird. Um, because so again, we all choose to live differently. So that was really, really hard, especially holidays, you know, just events and, um, people embrace food as culture and it can be very offensive to people if you bring your own food. So navigating that initially was hard. And now, people are kind of inquisitive. What did Katie bring to dinner this time? You know, I have some digestive issues. So it's like, why am I torturing myself every time I go to someone's house to eat their food? You know, when I know that that's not going to serve me and make me feel, you know, my best. So, it, you know, I, I now pick and choose, you know, what occasions I want to bring my own or not, you know, and I am in control of that. And, and I guess not having guilt. There's a lot of guilt at first when you're someone who does invest in people's people wanting to approve of you, you know, and just your being. And yeah, yeah. And that, that goes back to kind of what I just said is you're finding value in other people's opinions of you and what you do and how you operate. Um, and, and one thing I think is important, and this doesn't matter what aspect of life you're in, but people will always judge what they don't understand. And so you taking action to track your food and weigh it and start to educate yourself around nutrition and what makes you feel good and what makes you feel bad. And what is your biofeedback? And how is digestion? And what are we sensitive to? What do we need to clean up? Um, and, and when you start feeling good, like I said earlier, those are habits you want to continue. And you're like, I feel way better this way, but people around you are eating the, you know, the cookies in the office that they brought and they're like, here, have one. And you're like, no, thank you. And they're like, well, what the fuck's wrong with you? I want you to eat a cookie. 
but you're over here with your tuna pack and I want to judge you for that, but I'm going to eat the cookie and you're not judging me for that. Right. So what we do is we get anxiety around how people are judging us yet. We don't realize that at the end of the day, you not feeling well after a meal that because you have digestive issues and, or, you know, making choices, you know, you don't want to make because you feel pressured to be accepted into something, you know, in consequence, nobody that's there in that event or in, you know, eating those things or indulging in those aspects gives a shit about how you feel the next day. They want you to validate their choices and their lifestyle and the things that they're doing. And so that's why people will put pressure on you to engage in the activities that they're doing. Cause at the end of the day, they can still drink and eat and do what they want to do, but it's not, it's, it's like, if somebody else does it too, it's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, and I see this all the time with people as they struggle. And I'm like, you just have to advocate for yourself and say, I'm really doing this because my health is my priority right now. And I know that you're my friend, or I hope that you're my friend. And if you really are, I just want you to respect that boundary right now, because my health is really important to me. And I want to take initiative to get a handle on this. Right. And, and the people that genuinely care about you and they want to see you happy and healthy, they're going to support that, even if they don't understand it. Right. And they might start to ask more questions or try to understand or, you know, what is it? And initially, you know, when you're learning about food and tracking and all those things, it can feel very restrictive because it's very different. Um, and again, for people that don't do that or have that education, you know, it, it can be alarming. But over time, once you build those habits, then you can start incorporating a lot more flexibility because you have the education under your belt. You can have untracked meals. You can go out to date nights. You can travel and incorporate different things. Um, and that's something you're phenomenal at doing is being able to go to a restaurant and order what you want, but also stay on track and not have to worry about the fluctuations or understanding the fluctuations. Because I remember there were points where we really struggled with the scale weight and we still get a little mm-hmm. bit mental about those moments. Um, so I want you to kind of share how you've overcome that, even though we still have some hiccups, right? How you've overcome that. Cause a lot of people struggle with the scale weight. Yeah. I, I have to say that the one thing that's always in my mind is just your voice has become ingrained and it just is constantly like, like, you know, that, it's your, you know, it's just a number, you know, you, um, you're so much more than a number on the scale. Like I just have these almost like positive affirmations that all relate to the scale. Um, I can say again, I, I still do struggle with it. I think it's harder, um, during like your reverse diet. Um, you know, when you've spent your entire lifetime, fixated on a scale going down, the reverse is truly the most magical, um, challenging, overwhelming, like beautiful experience that you'll ever go through. And, you know, having now traveled it more than once, um, I think that's where it's, it's the biggest game changer for me now is because those feelings still come up where I, I just get overwhelmed by the scale. I get frustrated seeing the number go up, but it, it pushes me to see it as data and truly that it's only data, um, you know, to understand the fluctuations, you know, did I go out on a date night and I had more salt in my food? You know, did I eat more carbs because we're reversing and carbs are life, you know? So maybe I had a high carb meal before I went to bed. So of course it's going to be a little bit up from the days that I don't eat right before I go to bed, you know, just having those logical, um, you know, I remember going back to some of your posts on Instagram, like constantly and having them flagged so that those days where I just was like, I can't get out of my head about this. And it's totally not worth my time to ruin my day. And I would just read them. You know, I would just read like even the post about like the fluctuations and why you have fluctuations or um, I'd spend, you know, 15 minutes listening to Jordan Syatt's explanation on, you know, the um, his Harry Potter theme of why you're, why the scale fluctuates. Like I would have all these toolkits in my tool bag of things I could go to, to, to do the logical thing and put my head back in the game to say, yeah, it's a number. It's just a number. Um, so that's been huge for me because again, like you said, I don't experience that as much, but I still do. And now I have all of these things that I can rely on to get me out of that. Um, I also try now when I am in a fat loss phase to not get excited by the scale going down. I think it's really critical in my kind of part of the process right now that I see it as a neutral number, because if I'm going to get excited when it's going down during a fat loss phase, then the natural reaction was, would to be, be pissed when it's going up. And that's not fair to me. I've worked, you know, I've worked too hard to see data. I, I guess I always go back to like, 
are you being respectful of yourself? I have these like questions that I just interrogate myself with, of, you know, are the words I'm using around the scale, are those, you know, being kind to me? Are they making, are they going to make me better when I'm beating myself up about a number? It's a number, you know, it didn't change anything and I'm still the person I am. So it, it's like, um, I guess you, you just have to be a, uh, not afraid to interrogate yourself with questions to get to the logical place. And when you're ingrained with these false beliefs, they're not just going to go away, which I wish they would. I'm very good at like, I follow the rules. I like steps. And when I, when it's like, I can't control those thoughts and they come in, I'm like, I'm mad at myself. I'm like, Katie, you know what to do. You know, what's logical. Um, and those are the days too. I just need coach Kate to be like, okay, get out of your head. And then I know in the check-in, part of, I'm like honest to my own detriment. I think because when I think a thought, I'm like, oh, that meant that I was like, you know, I, I want to get to the point where I don't even think them, which again, you have to use your tools. So the, the struggle gets less and less because I have logical things to rely on to pull me back and ground me. And, um, but it definitely, the beginning of my process, you know, with you, my focus was to see that scale go down and never in my life did I think that I would see a day, even when we first started, I didn't really know much about the reversing process. And I, you know, I might've known from listening to your content, but I really didn't believe I'd ever go to, to actually willingly say, we're going to reverse and to know the scale is going to go up. That first reverse was like, mind blowing to me, um, you know, in terms of just understanding why you would want to reverse, because to me in the past, that would have been like, are you, are you out of your mind? Like I've worked so hard to get down to this. Are you out of your freaking mind? A lot of (laughs) people will take a reverse and they're like, so you want me to go back to where we started? Um, Mm -hmm. and one thing I think is really important with your journey, especially as we've been doing this for years, we've completely changed your body fat set point. Um, you know, and that's something that you still struggle with is like, you're going to wake up one morning and go back to who you were three years ago. Right. Um, and getting comfortable in your new set point and how you operate and how you feel and, you know, still fighting that voice in the back of your mind. That's like, well, you know, you can, you have to do this because if not, you're going to go back to that person. And I know, um, for you, you know, one thing that we've worked through, um, in collaboration with a therapist is kind of overcoming, um, the binge eating type of behaviors that you used to have. Um, and the triggers. And one of the biggest things that you've said is like, you know, finding other ways to ground yourself because a lot of people don't have grounding work. And when they do that, when they don't have those things, it's very easy when you're stressed to resort in self-sabotaging behaviors, like overeating or mindlessly eating, or especially with, you know, calorie dense things that give you that dopamine spike. And then you're like distractively eating because you aren't addressing something else that's going on in your life. Um, and I think that that's important, um, for you to talk about, because there are a lot of people that do struggle with overeating temptations and, you know, coping with that stuff. Um, so I want you to share from your perspective, you know, how it started and how it's going. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, this is something I've struggled with my entire life. I've never been diagnosed with any type of disordered, you know, eating. Um, but I certainly have struggled. And I think sometimes with binge eating habits or, you know, um, patterns of that, like, I don't think people always necessarily, you know, get support when they need it, because again, you're, you know, you're healthy, you're, you know, nobody really sees that struggle because you're not at risk of like, you know, not having nourishment, but it's the psychological part is just, is just awful. So throughout my whole life, I would, you know, again, I would have patterns where I would do really well and I'd, you know, lose weight and be following lots of healthy, healthy habits. And then I would, something would happen where I'd kind of be triggered by something. Um, and I would, I would essentially gain all the weight back plus some, and I don't know how many times I've done that in my lifetime. I mean, I was, um, so before coming to you, I know I've shared, I've tried every single, you know, type of fad diet you can imagine. And, and I'm not, it's not like I'm this, old person, you know, I've, I'm, I'm young. And it was like, from a very young age, that was just, I saw people in my life doing fad diets. I saw people in my life seeing their value as, you know, being, being small and losing weight, um, you know, diets that were really dangerous. Did the Ben Fen, you know, things that are no longer on the market because they're so dangerous. So um, the, that binging habit for me has always been a coping skill that I've used when I'm you know, food, food is so hard because it's, it's accessible and you can't escape it. You have to eat it to survive. You know, you have to eat it to feel good, but it also 
can be used as a band-aid. So for me, um, you know, if something came up and I was triggered, you know, there's, there's things that you work through throughout your life. Um, that food was always the go-to. So when I did the lifestyle program, one of the challenges, um, you know, the gentleman was great, very knowledgeable, but we couldn't reach that that place in our work together where I was fully honest with him. And I look back and I do feel bad. It's, it's like your medical record. I'm like, there was a lot, there's a lot of lying in there. I, I didn't necessarily lie, but I, I didn't divulge the truth. And I think for you, Kate, like one of the things that's been huge for me is I've been able to tell you and, you know, you don't necessarily, you're never going to be that person that's going to be like, yeah, it's okay that you did that and like champion it, but you have this peace and calm of just like, this happened. Like we're going to move forward. You know, it's, there's no shame and blame. And, you know, I've been able to be totally transparent with you on all things because I, I feel safe to be able to do that. And I think sometimes you, you worry if you tell somebody like I overate or, you know, I, I was triggered and I did this, you feel like they're going to, you know, fire you as a, you know, a client or that they're going to say something to you that just makes you feel even worse about yourself. You know, so, so that was huge for me was just having the trust with you and to know that I could, I could tell you, you know, things and that we were able to come up with strategies to move it forward. Um, you also have been able to meet me where I'm at at times, like, you know, where I, I've been able to say I'm struggling. And then we, we took a totally different direction for a short period of time just to help me have control over certain things, but to not get obsessive over the details. So, you know, we did the three plates to snack period where we put the, you know, I still remember distinctly, I think it was when we first did a reverse um, we did no way November. Cause I have to title everything corny saying, so no way November. So the scale went in the garage. I didn't touch it. You know, I didn't like those, those periods were significant because it was enough to step away, but I never gave up on the long-term perspective because I knew it was just, we were just breathing because we had other things we had to focus on. So I know I'm rambling, um, but there's, there's just so many pieces around you know, the binging food piece, I guess, to go back to, um, I, there were periods of time where I would eliminate all foods that were slightly tempting to me and I would just not have them in the house. And I remember that came with a lot of guilt because I don't live alone. You know, I have a husband, I have, you know, people in my life that would like to have access to certain foods, you know, things like peanut butter, um, you know, just certain things that would be my, my trigger food, so to speak, I would just totally cut them out from my, from my diet altogether until I felt like I could be in control. And then we would bring them back in. And over the last, you know, year or two, I have, I have more ability to work through those moments, um, to be honest about how I'm feeling or what I'm needing, and then to replace them with other things to distract me, to ground me. Um, but again, those were habits I never had. And that, that binge guilt cycle is so powerful. And sometimes you don't even know that you're in it. Um, but for me, I've realized that I have to be honest about even when I'm feeling like I want to binge or feeling like I'm, you know, um, being triggered. And like you'd mentioned, I'm working with a therapist, you know, we're navigating some tough shit, so to speak, like life's not pretty and perfect. And, you know, you have to dig for part of my fear of going back, I know I'm at a point where I've got to work through th some things so that I truly never will go back to where I started. But if you don't deal with that, you can't ever get past it. And you, again, you know, allow me to kind of open an, up enough while still staying in your lane. You know, you, um, that's what I, I value most about you to be able to say, yeah, we got to work on this over here, but we're not giving up on you know, all the other goals I have in terms of fitness. And they kind of are two, two tracks that run parallel and they have to, they have to intertwine. You can't do one without the other. Um, and if I wasn't able to talk with you about those things, you know, I, I wouldn't be in this moment able to talk about where I'm at today. I, I, when I was doing the lifestyle program, I can be honest, I was binging. I was still losing weight. And one of the things that's crazy is that when you're in a calorie deficit, which now I understand, um, cause I just am a nerd and love to absorb everything people talk about in terms of, you know, science, but 
it's like, I was, I was so restrictive, you know, 1100 calorie, you know, days, but then I could have a day on the weekend that I would binge and I'd still show up to my appointment and lose weight. So nobody ever questioned, is she, you know, is she following? Like it appeared that I was, but it it hurts my heart a little bit to look back at that time period because I wasn't being transparent, but nobody ever also asked, you know, some of the questions it wasn't, I didn't feel safe to share. Um, but I've been able to work through that yuck. I always call it the yuck, um, of just actually owning that and owning my experience, you know? Um, I mean, they're, yeah, I'm rambling. It's there's just so much I could say, cause it's, it's just been such a huge part of my life that I'm finally showing up to do the work and, to know that I don't have to stay stuck in those patterns and that food doesn't have to, it doesn't have to own me like that. You know, I now ask myself like by eating all of that, am I respecting my body? Like, am I going to feel good? Um, is that going to make me proud tomorrow? That's always the key in my brain, you know? So. Yeah. What's going to make you happy when you look back on this moment or when you wake up tomorrow, like, how are you going to feel about the choice you're making? And so um, a couple things that, that I want to kind of point out, um, is that especially when dieting or being super restrictive, like you were, uh, I see this a lot when people get very, very aggressive is that they start to get in these patterns of severely restricting followed by a binge followed by compensation of severe restriction. Right. And the first time it may not seem like a big deal. Oh, it was once it will be fine. Right. But you tell yourself that's once, and then you continue to try to go back to that low calorie. Um, that's where you get into developing, Uh, binge eating types of behaviors. And that can turn into a long-term disorder. Um, It starts from being too aggressive. It starts from not making small changes and it starts from lack of education and a lot of pressure. Um, So being aware of that and, you know, being able to be like, whoa, this happened and that's not cool. Like, I don't want to do that. And the worst thing that you can do is dwell on it because the past is the past. There's literally nothing that you can do about it. Absolutely nothing, but learn from it but say, Hey, I was in a moment. I got home. I was starving. I had no food on me. I, I was ravenous. I opened up the pantry and started shoving shit down my throat. And all of a sudden I was, it, the peanut butter jar was gone along with the cookie crisp and I couldn't do anything about it. Right. Okay. So the trigger was we were way too hungry. We had nothing on us. Always keep a snack in your car. Always. Like that's one thing I always have protein in my car because I don't want to be hangry. Like I'm, I'm setting myself up to be, you know, failure. So whatever it is that causes you to go into a triggered moment, self-reflection on the cause is going to lead you to acknowledge where the habit loop is beginning and where we can break it and set ourselves up to form a better habit. Um, and that's what you want to look at is your different patterns in your, your psychology around those habits and how to set yourself up to break them in a sustainable manner. Um, the other thing that I thought was really important um, was you talking about the different phases and approaches that we've used. I think a lot of clients that work with coaches think that if they don't follow the plan as it is written the first time, that that is it and they are failing and there's no other approach. So therefore I'm done. Right. And I do see this often with people like I, I can't do this. Um, so I just feel like I'm wasting your time instead of being like, Hey coach, I'm really struggling with this approach with all the, these different things that are going on. You know, is there something else we can do for this period of time? And I think, uh, being able to communicate that is so important because a good coach is going to have multiple different approaches for multiple different contexts for multiple different clients. And it's always going to change because again, as someone who has been doing this for years, um, you can't live around three numbers in a tracking app. You physically like that is, that is also disordered. Like, um, there are some people that like it. I track all the time for data purposes, but sometimes even in my offices and their estimations, cause I'm like, Oh, I went out and had a burger and fries. I'll estimate it like this. Right. So it's never going to be perfect. And everything that you track is an estimation. Like naturally the FDA is not like chemically adjusting everything that you consume in your body. And when they're making portions, right. It's an estimation. Um, so instead of looking at the numbers and hyper-focusing on plus or minus one gram, like how consistent are we being over a period of time? And how are you responding to that consistency and setting yourself up to be successful by incorporating foods that challenge you mentally? I remember there was a time where you were like, it was a peanut butter. And I said, I want you to have one serving of peanut butter every single day. I want you to have one serving of peanut butter every single day. So you'll stop being afraid that you cannot portion control that thing. And that was one of the accountability aspects that we had. And then you started getting more control and more confidence and you felt less deprived because at the point before you were like, I'm just throwing it out. I'm not eating it. We're not doing it. Right. And for a time that worked for us, but when we wanted to start incorporating that again, because one of my things as a coach is I don't want my clients to fear anything. 
I don't want you to fear carbs. I don't want you to feel nuts. I don't want you to fear your weight. I don't want you to fear anything. I, I want you to be able to be the victor in any situation where you feel intimidated by something where it has power over you. I want you to take that power back. And the only way that you can do that is by approaching this thing that you feel defeated by and overcoming it again and again through repetition, repetition, repetition. And so it might start small with a serving of peanut butter, right? And you do that over time and you're like, I don't feel deprived and I'm, I'm good with one serving. And then you might have two. And then you realize I don't want peanut butter today. And you don't have that focus over that item because it no longer has that power over you mentally. But if you never address that issue, and I remember even going through your removal of birth control and seeing the scale fluctuate, and you're like, I don't know if I can weigh myself. And I called you out and I said, I challenge you every single day to weigh yourself and understand that these fluctuations are giving us a lot of insight right now as to how your body is trying to regulate itself, um, things we might need to adjust, right? So understanding that anything that causes you to feel less, you're giving power to. And when you start to approach it and acknowledge that it's something that is taking away from your power, you need to overcome that. Um, and that's one thing that I think is really important that we've done is, is go through different seasons of life and phases, addressing the things that you need to address, but never ever derailing or going backwards um, from where we were. Yeah. And I've really appreciated that just because again, you think this one size fits all. And I think everybody, we have this tendency to compare or, you know, you, you have your friends that are doing different things and you're like, okay, well, they're doing this. And then you get thinking, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'm weak, maybe I'm you know, going to let somebody down and um, just the power of like going through a different phase because it's what I need. And then seeing on the other side of that, like, we're still, we're still making progress like that those moments, again, teach me more and more and solidify that, that again, as long as you keep going forward, you know, you can't lose, you can't, you know, as long as you don't quit, you're never going to lose kind of thing. So I just, yeah, that those moments have been huge. Um, and again, having that time, you know, COVID, especially like just navigating, I you know there were periods where I stopped meal prepping, you know, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, like, that's my thing. I have to like, when I prep, it's just, there's such a piece that comes with that. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat, but sometimes you lose some of your habits and you have to grab them back. Um, and I think that's part of the learning experience too, is, is you, you know, just because I was home working all day, didn't mean that I shouldn't prep my meals on Sunday, but it took time to, to understand what some of the pieces were that have derailed me. Um, and then when you grab those habits back, it's just such an empowering feeling to, to realize what works best for you and to own it and to just, yeah, just not lose sight of it. Um, cause it, it can get easy to do that when life happens and chaos and, you know, those things that we can control are so grounding. Um, I mean, I love my Sunday meal prep days. Like they're just, that's, that's my time. You know, that's my piece. I put on a podcast. I, you know, I learn, I cook. It's um, I just think sometimes people think of everything as a tedious task of like, this must be so miserable for you and you really fall in love with it. I mean, I think that's the funny part is again, you having a tribe, you can talk to about it because people think we're weirdos when we get so excited. Uh, those things are, you know, have been great. And again, help with the binging piece because I'm not, you know, I'm not waiting until I'm starving. I've got food ready to go. Um, and it also incorporates fun, fun things while still focusing on whole foods, you know, not, not having, you know, this week we've got dark chocolate on the menu. Like you can't go wrong with that, but I don't need the whole bar because I know that it's going to be there. And that's, you know, your, 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 again, your voice in my head is always like the food's always going to be there. And I use that a lot too. When, when I have those days where I just feel like I want to have all of it, it's like, you don't have to, we've got 365 days in a year and it's going to be there. So yeah, absolutely. I think, again, like all of this conversation is so, so powerful. And I really, really, um, I love that you've been able to come on and I'm sure we'll have to do another follow-up because we're going through an entirely different journey, but until we get to the end point, guys, you're going to have to wait on that one. So, um, Katie, thank you. Thank you so much, um, for coming on here. If you guys want to reach out to Katie or you appreciate this conversation, let her know that she helped you. Um, I will have her social media listed below. Um, she is one of my rock star clients, my OG. Um, she's been with me for a very long time and we've overcome a lot. Um, but understanding that there will always be things to overcome and anybody that has poor habits, um, even myself, we all have bad habits, by the way, I don't care what anybody says. No one's like a rock star at everything and like perfect. 
um, they will always creep up in the back of your mind. Um, when you, even when you feel like you've overcome them, though, there's going to be a vulnerable moment where that voice comes into your head and you think all those things. Like for me, it's traumatic to think about the time I was 94 pounds soaking wet. Like I have nightmares. I'll wake up and be that little girl again. Like I never want to be that. That to me is scary. Just like you going all the way back to where you started. So even though we're on opposite sides of the spectrum, the feelings are the same. Right. And that I think, you know, your coach or whoever you're working with, um, should be able to relate to your feelings because they're all valid, but then they have to be able to talk you off the ledge of like, it's going to be okay. Right. You're not going to be that person. As long as we continue to be consistent and continue to show up and continue to give our best and your best is never going to be perfect. And I think that everybody needs to understand that because it's not about being perfect. Um, it's about giving your best effort and being consistent and being willing to learn because even me, I've been doing this for years. I've gotten a severe education from some of the best in the industry, um, along with, you know, in a lab under Dr. Bill Campbell. And I still am learning. I'm still learning so many things. There's never enough knowledge for me. I'm a freaking nerd. And I love that. Um, and I'll never shy away from that, but just understand that it's going to be a progression. It's going to be scary. It will challenge you mentally, physically, emotionally a lot. Um, but having that support. And for me, like I said, the, the community that we have is everything to me. Culture is everything. Um, in the group of amazing human beings that I get to work with um, is bar none, in my opinion. So um, Katie, if you have any final words, please drop them. And of course, uh, I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, I just want to say thank you. And thank you for share, letting me share a little bit about my experience and my story. And I can't uh, agree enough, just the community is everything. And, you know, I, I'm grateful for teammates, friendships that you know, our lifetime friendships now, people can't get rid of me. Um, you know, it's just, it's amazing to have that. And it just gets you excited, you know, and, and being able to have women empower women and, um, you don't see that in everyday life and I feel it. And I, I know that the teammates feel it and, um, just having you and your energy that you bring to the table, just, you know, makes, makes every day exciting. You know, everybody has these wins and, you know, when we're not winning and we're struggling, it's there's the support, you know, is right there. And it's just, I'm here for it. And um, just super grateful. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, this tribe would not be the same without you. I can say that you've set the bar high for people to come in here. So um, Katie, thank you so much for sharing. And guys, we will be back with another update, probably six months, maybe a year from now on some, some cool stuff that we're addressing now. So uh, thank you guys again for listening. Share it if you love it. Let Katie know that she helped you. And uh, well, we'll talk to you next time.